welcome to this week's episode of the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Dr. Jeanette Mendez, the Interim Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. Joining me this week is Dr. Chris Francisco from the Department of Mathematics. Chris was promoted to department head last summer after previously serving as associate head for lower level instruction from 2012 to 2018. Chris has been a leader for our Success in Undergraduate Mathematics, or SUMS, initiative, which is designed to help OSU students pass entry-level classes. We will discuss the accomplishments that this program has had since its initiation in 2012, as well as the ways today's students are benefiting from the department's decades of focus on implementing new methods to help them succeed. Hello, Chris. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I know that OSU has been getting a lot of attention statewide and even nationally for the success of the co-requisite model. First, can you explain what that is? Yeah, sure. So traditionally, um, you know, we've had a lot of students nationally who come to college not really ready for that first college level math class. And the usual prescription for that is to put them in a remedial course, have them take that course first, and then try to move on to the college level course. The problem with that approach, which sounds sensible, is that the data show that that just doesn't work. The national data show that only about 20% of students who start in a remedial math class will succeed in a college level math class within two years. And that's a really poor success rate. So what we wanted to do is try to uh, bypass that and get students in a college level math class right away. And the idea was if a student places in this, into this remedial intermediate algebra course, we'd have them take our college level courses right away, but we'd give them some extra support. So instead of uh, taking the remedial algebra course first and then taking our college level course, they'd attend our college level course five days a week. They'd get extra two hours of support every, every week uh, on our Tuesday and Thursday sessions. And what we found is that if the students go to these extra Tuesday, Thursday sessions where they do activities that are designed by our course coordinators that are really targeted at the deficiencies that they may have in their background and giving extra practice on the college level material, um, students are able to succeed in these courses uh, even without taking the remedial class. It sounds like it makes a lot of intuitive sense, but are other universities doing this? It's something that I think we've been kind of a pioneer at. I, you know, it's becoming more common nationally, but uh, OSU is one of the only research universities to really get involved in it, and I think we were one of the first to do it. Um, we especially have done it in more classes than a lot of other uh, places have done it. We've done it in uh, two of our entry-level classes, and we've kind of even moved it up the chain a little bit to provide extra support for students who are close to qualifying for a course that they want to get in but haven't quite made it there. And when did we start the co-requisite model here at OSU? So our first classes, co-requisite classes, were offered in fall 2015. So this is the fourth year that we've been doing it. Uh, and we've really been pleased at how successful it's been. We've expanded it every year we've done it. And could you tell, tell us a little more about the success that you've had with it? Yeah, as I said, we were comparing to the national rate of st students who start in remedial math classes only having about a 20% chance of succeeding in that college level course after uh, two years. Our success rates are much better than that. Our students in the co-requisite classes are succeeding at over a 70% rate. So they start in the college level class right away, and in one semester, 70% or more of the students are earning a C or better. That has a lot of implications for the students. Not only do they save a lot of time, they save money because they don't have to take the remedial class, they make progress toward graduation faster, 
Um, they're able to stay in their chosen degree path, maybe that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So more than even just the great success rates is kind of the implications that has that really helps students along toward graduation and lets them stay in the area that they're most interested in. I would assume there'd be a morale component here too, that using this type of model might, might help students feel better about math as well. Do you think that would be true? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think when you tell students you're not ready for college level math and you, you, you should go somewhere else to take a course, I think that's really demoralizing. And math is one of these subjects where people already have confidence problems. You know, a lot of people really are scared of math and they're nervous about going into a math class. What we like to do is have them stay on our campus, be in an environment that's really welcoming and friendly. The undergraduate learning assistants that we use to support our classes on Tuesday and Thursday are peers that are only you know, a few years older than these students. They may have taken the same class a few years earlier. They're under the direct supervision of our course coordinators. And we found that our students really bond well with these undergraduate learning assistants and that the learning assistants can kind of get through to them in a way that sometimes our instructors even can't. And so I think they find it to be a really supportive environment and we are able to quote these statistics to students and we were able to tell them, based on our data, the only two things that make a difference once you get into this class are, did you come to class and did you do your homework? It's not, what were your prior experiences with math? What was your attitude? It's just, do you show up and do you do the work? And have you found that the students that are enrolling in this, are they showing up? Or do you see any difference in the um, amount of time that they're spending on this in terms of going to class and putting in the effort? Yeah, we've had fantastic attendance in, in these classes. I mean, basically everybody shows up almost all the time. And um, I attribute that to the uh, effort that our instructional faculty and our learning assistants have put into creating this nice environment. I think the students come and they realize that if they show up in class, they're gonna learn the material that they need and they're gonna be able to succeed in the course. Um, how many faculty are involved in this? Well, we have uh, four course coordinators who have designed the activities that we do in these co-requisite instruction um, days. And then um, we have a lot of different sections that we teach every semester. So in the fall, I believe we taught 14 different sections. And so there were around 14 faculty members and teaching assistants who were involved in addition to 14 learning assistants. So it seems like there's been a lot of buy-in from the entire department. Yeah, and it's interesting. People ask me about this a lot when they're thinking about setting up a co-requisite model. You know, how tough was it to get faculty to buy into this? And I said, this is one of the easiest sells I've ever had because, you know, we came to our faculty and we said, look, you know, what we would like to do is provide an opportunity for students to do some additional work um, to try to shore up their math skills. And our faculty said, well, that's what you need to do in order to be better prepared for a course. You need to do extra practice and, you know, come for extra hours during the week. And so our faculty were delighted by it. Wonderful. Um, you mentioned that um, in terms of morale, that students oftentimes might be a little scared of math or they might just not have a lot of confidence in terms of math. You're doing a lot of other things in terms of your curriculum. Another aspect is the SUMS initiative, um, the success in undergraduate math mathematics is math pathways. So what is that? So math pathways is something that uh, that we embarked upon a while ago when we decided that the traditional sort of approach to entry-level mathematics really wasn't working well. Uh, for decades, everyone who took a math class in college started in college algebra. And that was something that really, I think, caused a lot of difficulty because college algebra was originally designed as a course to prepare somebody for calculus. And I think it's clear that not all of our students need to take calculus for their degree path that they're going into. So our STEM students, our students who are in science majors or going into engineering or something like that, 
they definitely need the more formal algebraic college algebra class. But our students who are going into business, who are going into the social sciences, who are going into the humanities, there are other sorts of mathematics that are very useful for them to know. And college algebra is probably not the course that's best designed for them. And so what we have done is we've designed two other entry-level mathematics courses uh, that we think follow those degree paths a little bit better. We have an alternative to college algebra for non-STEM students um, that we call a math modeling course in which students use technology to develop mathematical models for real world situations and they draw conclusions and make predictions based on the, the models that they create. Uh, that's kind of a fun course because almost every problem they do is a word problem, which is scary for a lot of students, but they learn how to use these models to really work with the data. Um, we also have a quantitative literacy course that a lot of our humanities majors take. And this is a course that I kind of think everybody should take. It's, it's a lot of mathematics that students, that an educated populace should know. So we talk about a little probability and statistics so that you can read the newspaper better. Uh, we talk about personal finance issues, which I really like. You know, you're presented with several options for a mortgage, you know, which one would be best for you. Um, we try to, to get ideas like that that will really help students when they go out into the world after they leave OSU to be educated citizens. And how are students finding out about how to take these classes? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have, um, I think, the best partnership I've seen on any campus with our advising staff. Uh, our advisors have been absolutely fantastic in every aspect of this program. And um, we have worked very closely with them to talk with them about uh, which to talk with both the advisors and the faculty in various departments about which math classes cover which sorts of things. So I'll often have meetings with, uh, with units, either departments or colleges, and talk about what their math requirements look like and what they really want to see their students be able to do mathematically. And then units adjust their degree sheets to try to make sure that the requirements on there match what they really need in their degree plans. When students come to campus for advising for new student orientation or for a transfer day or whatever it is, they'll sit down with that advising staff and our advisors are really terrific at knowing exactly which math classes match up with which majors and which sort of options they wanna take. Uh, and we really couldn't have done anything that we've done without that advising staff, you know, being the front lines, talking with the students and with their parents oftentimes about what classes will prepare them for what lines they wanna do. And from the student side of things, have you seen success in these types of courses? Yeah, I think anytime you match up the curriculum that you're teaching with a student's interest, you're much more likely to get success in that course. I mean, you know, if you want to pick out a book to read, you're more likely to finish that book if it's something you're interested in than something somebody's telling you you have to read. And it's the same way in math. So what we've tried to do in these courses is really draw in examples from the fields of the students who are taking that course. So in our math modeling course, there are a lot of business examples in there. In our, you know, humanities sorts of courses, we try to find problems that would be of interest to anybody in everyday life, things that they can really see a reason that they would need to know. Uh, you know, if you don't know why you're learning something, I think it's very difficult to really get engaged in the material. And so our success rates in our modeling course and in our um, quantitative literacy course have been very good because of that. And our success rates in our college algebra course have also been fantastic, I think in part because the population that we have in there is the population that realizes, I really need this material in order to go on and take future uh, science classes and math classes. And now this idea, this math pathways and pairing up students with these types of classes, this isn't necessarily new to OSU, is it? That's right. Uh, our faculty actually started work on this in the mid-1990s. So uh, 
Bruce Crowder and Benny Evans and Alan Knoll uh, developed a couple curriculums for these two courses and wrote a couple of textbooks. Uh, and we were, I think, really ahead of the curve on this. This was not something that's really been on the national radar until the last five years or so. Um, it's gotten a lot of attention from educational policy groups recently. Um, our courses have been used as kind of the models for what uh, other institutions are doing statewide, particularly this modeling course that we've had. Uh, and I think the setup that we have is very attractive to a lot of institutions because of this modeling class, which is, which is unique. And not a lot of other institutions had something like this. So um, I think the thing that's really happened in the last six or seven years is that uh, across campus, there's been a lot more buy-in where um, departments are saying, you know, this course really matches what we want to do. Let's make sure that we send our students to the course that's most appropriate and we're able to funnel students in the right places and really get them in courses that are going to engage them and prepare them for what they need later on. Now, we've talked a lot about the curriculum side to all of this, um, but one of the things that um, you also are um, proud of is the space that we've had renovated to support these types of initiatives. In particular, I know you're proud of the Math Learning Success Center in the Edmund Lowe Library. And so what is that? Um, what, what happened there? What renovations were done? And then what does that center provide for our students? Yeah, we're, we're really proud of that center. I think that's the, the kind of crown jewel physical manifestation of all of our efforts in the SUMS initiative. So uh, back in 1984, when Bus Jaco was first department head here, uh, the dean had charged him with developing a department that was really research focused and was one of the leaders in the world in research. And he recognized that it wasn't enough just to be great in research, that you needed to pay attention to the teaching mission as well. And he developed the Mathematics Learning Resource Center, which was one of the first of its kind across the country. Um, over a period of about 30 years, you know, it kind of outgrew its space. It wasn't modern anymore. It wasn't as welcoming an environment. And so with a really great commitment from the president and the provost, our dean's office and the dean of the libraries, we renovated some space on the fifth floor of the Edmund Lowe Library that opened in April of 2013. This is a large space that has a lot of um, computers in there for a computer lab. It has uh, large tutoring areas and small tutoring rooms for more private kind of tutoring sessions. And it's something that we feel like is one of the most welcoming spaces on campus. It's a very collaborative space that allows students to come hang out and just do their homework there. And that's really how we've pitched it. We don't really pitch it so much as a tutoring center. It's really a space for students to come do their homework in a focused environment where maybe you're going to get things done in a little bit better way than if you were trying to do it in your dorm room or your apartment or your fraternity or sorority house where there are all kinds of other things going on. So what happens is students come in. They sit down at one of the tables in our facility and typically they're sitting with other students who are taking the same class they are. And they're working on the same types of problems. And what, one of the things we found is that one of the best things we can do to provide support for our students is get them together and get them talking about the problems and helping each other. They speak to each other sometimes in ways that we can't. They're you know, closer together in age. They speak the same language. It's a lot easier sometimes for them to help each other initially. They hang out and do their homework together there. If they ever have a problem, they can raise their hand and we have tutors who can come over and help them. We have senior undergraduate coordinators who can come over if there's a particularly thorny issue that's difficult to solve. All of our faculty and teaching assistants who are teaching courses at the lower division level um, held at least one office hour in the MLSC. And so they'll come over and help if there's a particularly difficult issue. So we can provide a lot of support um, to everyone who comes into that facility 
Our director, Melissa Mills, has been fantastic about coordinating with the faculty teaching the courses and our tutors so that our tutors know what's coming up and know what's going on in the course. And we've really been able to integrate our classroom instruction with this extra support in the facility very well. And let's really make this real for people. What kind of difference has that made for students? Yeah, I, I think that's an important point because you can have a great place for students to come, but if it doesn't help them at all in terms of getting better academically, it's maybe not a great use of resources. So uh, our director, Melissa Mills, worked with some of her colleagues uh, on a study, and they tried really hard. They did some statistical work to try to hold as many factors constant as they could and really hone in on looking at the difference between students who came to the facility and who didn't. So one of the studies they did looked at Calculus One students, and they took students who had come to our facility two hours a week at least, and students who didn't come at all, and they kind of compared the grades there. And they found that the students who came at least two hours a week earned a letter grade higher in their final grade than students who weren't coming to the facility. And we think that's a really good indication of the kind of focused support they can get in our facility. And from the student perspective, doesn't sound like a lot of extra time that they need to spend, just two hours a week in an environment where they're being encouraged to succeed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and what we really tell them is that it's not really any extra time. You have to do your homework one way or another. You might as well come hang out and do it in our facility. It's a comfortable place. It's a welcoming place. It's a beautiful space space that the library uh, helped us create there. And uh, you know, you have resources there. If you get stuck, you might as well work at our facility. How many universities have something that's equivalent to this? We really think our facility is unique. You know, every time I travel somewhere for a conference or to give a seminar, I try to stop by that university's uh, math help center, whatever it is. And I found that it's almost always an abandoned classroom stuck in the corner of a basement somewhere. You know, dark, not very welcoming or anything. And we didn't want to create something like that. And in fact, when we were looking for a home for this, Vice President Weaver told us, you know, you don't want it stuck in the basement. You don't want it stuck someplace where people aren't going to see it and aren't going to have it on their radar. You want a place that's at the center of campus and that's very, uh, that's a bright space and very welcoming. And he and the dean of the libraries were very kind to, to work with us to, to find a space on the fifth floor of the Edmund Lowe Library that I think has been absolutely fantastic. Our space is much larger than most of them. It has a great computer lab for students to use. It has smart boards on which we can, um, we run review sessions and then we record kind of what we ran on the smart board and we put it up on YouTube for students to see if they can't come to our review sessions, if they're working or if they have an evening class. Um, and the, the, the sheer numbers of students that we serve, I think is, is, is unique among a lot of these places. We have about 55,000 student visits every year. We have between five and 6,000 um, unique students who come into our facility every year. So uh, we just serve a huge percentage of the OSU population. And I think it's really making a difference. I think so too, and I think it, um, we need to realize that our facilities matter. And, and so with that, we have another renovation that we're planning that's related to a lot of the things that we're talking about. Do you wanna talk a little bit um, about your vision of what we could do for our, the co-requisite teaching you're doing? Yeah, that's a great point. The, the co-requisite classes are interesting because we've really tried to integrate collaborative learning as much as we possibly can in there. So we often have activities uh, every day of the week actually, but especially on Tuesday and Thursday, where students are working together in groups on kind of practice problems or some background material, and they're helping each other with it, and then we'll kind of come together and have a big class discussion with it after they've worked on some problems. So what we really wanted were some classrooms that were well-suited for collaborative learning. And 
most of our classrooms on campus don't really have that capability right now. They were kind of built in the era where um, desks were kind of all in straight rows and bolted down and you're looking forward at the professor who's lecturing. So uh, we're trying to build two classrooms on the first floor of the math sciences building that will be really flexible. We'll be able to have a furniture arrangement where, where they can be in rows for some instances where someone's explaining something at the front of the room, and then they can be very quickly and easily turned into pods where students can work together in this collaborative environment. Um, we think having these dedicated co-requisite instruction classrooms will really help serve our program well. It'll allow us to schedule co-requisite instruction classrooms throughout the co-requisite instruction classes throughout the day without worrying about other scheduling issues. Um, it'll allow students to be in the same classroom every day of the week when they take these co-requisite classes. And it'll be a nice new welcoming space for them that I think will kind of set them at ease. I've noticed when students go into old dilapidated facilities, uh, they don't have the same sort of feeling in that class that they do if it's a nice welcoming environment. And we're gonna try to create that for them. That sounds wonderful. Chris, one of the things I hadn't touched on yet that I know we've talked a lot about is the placement exams for math. And I know you guys are leading the way on these proctored placement exams as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think the, the placement test that we use is really important to make sure students in the, are in the classes that they are going to succeed in. Uh, you know, it doesn't do anybody any good to put you in a class that you're either not ready for or that where you already know everything. And I think some of the issues that we saw maybe 10 years ago with students not succeeding in math classes before we had all these initiatives were students either being bored or just in a class that wasn't right for them. And so we have this math placement assessment that we use uh, that's done a really fantastic job. And there's a lot of good research uh, around this to illustrate that um, students really do get placed in the right class that they're ready for uh, when they take this test. And so what we do is we ask our students to take a math placement exam before they come to campus for advising. Um, and they can do it either at one of our satellite testing centers. Um, they can do it via webcam proctoring, so they can do it in the privacy of their own home. Uh, there's no time limit to it, so there's no time pressure associated. Just to take the test and kind of see where they are. And the really nice thing about it is that we made a concerted effort to avoid high stakes testing. We wanted a situation where a student would take the test. If they didn't like how they did, they would have an opportunity to learn some math through the online learning modules that are provided with the software. So this software comes with personalized tutorials where that will take the student where they left off on the exam, where they started to miss some of the questions, start them right there and lead them through learning some of that material so they can place into a higher course if they want to do that. And then they get four more opportunities to take the test um, before they you know, start classes here at OSU. So they have a lot of opportunities. They have these personalized free online learning modules that they can work with that have shown to you know, students take them seriously and spend you know, a few hours in them. We see most students move their placement up a course, um, which is really nice, can save time and money without having to take one of the courses that they otherwise you know, would have had to take. Um, and the biggest thing about it is it allows us to get the right students in the right classes so that our instructors can focus on the pedagogical details, can focus on what types of learning are our students doing, what sorts of methods best address our students' needs. Um, and I think the assessment has really helped us with that. I want to thank my guest, Chris Francisco. You can learn more at math.okstate.edu. I'm Jeanette Mendez of the College of Arts and Sciences. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Inside OSU podcast. Thanks for listening.